Welcome to Dairy Stream, focused on issues affecting the dairy community and our customers. Hi, I'm your host, Mike Austin. Well, once again, thank you for joining us on Dairy Stream. It's certainly been a challenging time for everyone involved in the dairy front, and we've been looking for a lot of different answers and trying to well, subside a little bit of the fears and questions that people have. So we certainly appreciated the guests we've had while we have been sharing these special editions of Dairy Stream. Today, we're very glad to have Tom Gallagher with us. He is the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated. And we have been talking a bit over our last couple of podcast dealing with the supply side. Well, this time we're going to be still talking about that, but a bigger focus uh, coming in on the demand side of the ledger. And Tom, again, I want to thank you for your time. I want to begin talking about DMI and just how has DMI supported processors in trying to make what has become a very important shift from a large percentage of their products going to restaurants and food service markets to now needing to send more of those products to the retail front? Thanks for having me. A, a couple of things. First of all, let's put it in perspective. For food service, about 60% of our butter goes there and anywhere from 45 to 55% of our cheese. And when I say food service, that includes the pizza chains. So the larger pizza chains right now, some of them are doing good. Some of them not as good. The smaller pizza outlets are not doing as well at all. So what we see is uh, the mozzarella is backing up and processed cheese is backing up and obviously butter. And so what you have to think about this as is how can we take and a, a disconnected supply line into food service that has just been cut off almost overnight and reconnect that either to retail or to schools who are you know, in need or, or feeding banks. And so what we've done is a couple of things. First of all, our staff has worked locally and nationally endlessly every day to connect those who were, to use a phrase, dumping milk or displacing milk on their farm because they were backed up with food service supply. Uh, we've been connecting those folks with the feeding banks, with uh, Feeding America. We've worked with the CEOs of co-ops, so buyers, processors, Feeding America CEO. And in the last few days, we've been able to connect about 100 million gallons per week around the country that was being dumped. And we expect that that's going to grow enormously over the next couple of days. So that's been one very important effort to connect those players together to get that food to the needy and uh, which is ever increasing. That's been one effort. Another effort is to keep the school supply channel open because of schools being shut. A lot of them have moved their feeding sites to churches and other locations, and yet it's they're having trouble getting the food, the food to those locations. They don't have the refrigeration or whatever. So through one of our uh, organizations, we work closely with the Gen Youth Foundation, They've actually connect, collected over three and a half million dollars, uh, mo- two and a half million or, or more. In fact, almost all the three and a half million right now is from private industry. And what they're doing is they're receiving uh, requests from schools that we have about $15 million in requests for $3,000 grants to get them some equipment to get the ability to get the food to the new feeding sites. 
So we're trying to facilitate that, which is critical because 7% of our fluid milk moves through school and a good amount of cheese. So again, we want to keep that open and in fact, increase the, the kind of things going through there. And, uh, one last one I'll touch on is we are working with suppliers and processors and the big pizza companies as we did in 2008 and 2009 when we had a crisis, a farmer's had a crisis to um, see how we can work with them to get more cheese on pizzas beyond where we already are because 25% of our product moves through cheese moves through pizza. So that those are three areas that we've been working locally, nationally, tirelessly on in addition to some other areas. Tom Gallagher is our guest. He's the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated. Again, we thank him for uh, being with us today. And we're talking about things that are being done to try to alleviate some of, I guess, for another better word, frustration that certainly is being seen uh, by dairy producers in the dairy industry. So using that term again, when you look at, you know, there's been a lot of frustration. I know even from people that are watching stories about what's happening at the dairy front and the general consumers, they say, you know, they can't understand why there has been some dumping of milk or why there's concern about oversupply when they go to the grocery store and in some cases can't find the dairy products they want or there's a limited amount. Is the national checkoff working with retailers and grocers to ensure those store shelves are filled with dairy products? Yes, uh, locally and nationally, we're doing a couple things. But let me say, first of all, when the, let's call it immediate, let's call it panic buying started, Mm -hmm. uh, milk sales for a couple of weeks were up 55, 60%. Now that has leveled off greatly as people became confident that they had products and could get a hold of products. Uh, but it's still higher than prior, than pre-virus uh, times. And at that point, a lot of retailers started limiting if you could buy one or two gallons at a time. And I, I think they carried that on longer in some cases than, than they may have needed to if they needed to do it at all. So we're, we're trying to work with the National Retail Association to make sure that this word gets to retailers. But I have to tell you, the people that can best influence this are the people that deliver the milk to the stores and check and make sure that the milk is still not being limited. So the brands and processors and manufacturers that actually go into the retail store they can see what if there's such a sign up and they can talk to the uh, buyer to make sure that those signs come down. That's that's the number one issue because it is very frustrating to everybody to see those signs up. And I know the co-ops and local promotion groups are doing everything we can uh, to deal with that. And that said, that's really important to us. But the things that I mentioned that we're trying to do to move food service product into other locations and channels and the things we're doing with schools. And then I didn't touch on yet, no, export markets, which will be down uh, in March and April, maybe May, but we expect those to come back pretty vigorously sometime May, June in, in that time frame. That is something that our U.S. Dairy Exports Council is really focused on is making sure that when those markets become fully open and available to us, that we can really move a lot of product through that channel. 
And obviously, the focus on exports, even several years prior to this current situation, was a focus of the dairy industry. And we're going to get into more detail on that with Tom Gallagher, the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated, uh, after we take our break. But a few other questions prior to that. You did mention food banks, and in particular, some of the things you've done. Well, I am on the board of a local food bank in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and uh, so I'm sure there's a lot of interest there about, you know, the community food banks and those type of groups. What support is available if there's anything, again, to make sure they have plenty of dairy products to provide to what now are growing numbers of people that are using the food bank? A couple of things. If you have a local, if you're listening to this and you have a local feeding bank that is not getting the, the food that they require, I would contact your local checkoff group, like if you're in Wisconsin, contact Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin and see if they can't connect uh, connect you or connect people and processors and manufacturers. If they have trouble with that, then they'll get in touch with the national organization and we'll try to do that. So, you know, it's interesting. I'll say two things that I've learned in the last three weeks of all of us working on this 24-7 is no matter what you say, it's going to be precisely wrong. So if I say, here's <laughs> yes. what's going on with feeding banks, it's going to be different in a county in Wisconsin than it is in a county in Pennsylvania. The other thing I've learned is every time we think we have a, a, a solution for moving this milk to this feeding bank or to this fast food site where we're working with the fast food restaurants as well, because we work closely with all the CEOs of the fast food companies to see if we can, if feeding banks can even use their sites and schools as points of distribution for the food in, in case they don't have the equipment and ability to do it. But every time, the second point is every time you think you got one problem solved, you find out there's six more problems you have to solve to get, to get where you want to go. So it's, challenging. It's it's complicated. I think we're going to learn a lot through this process. We're, we're working locally and nationally. We're just nonstop trying to connect this. You're listening to Dairy Stream as we continue to try to enlighten you and answer some of your questions when it comes to COVID-19 and its impact on the dairy industry. Tom Gallagher from DMI is their CEO, has been our guest, and we certainly appreciate his insight and candor in this conversation. And you did touch on this uh, before, but I want to get a little, little bit more specific when we talk about our students and obviously the need for them to have a dairy in their diet. Maybe you can just go a little bit deeper into the fact of what actions are being taken taken to make sure those students are receiving dairy while they're now at home. Okay. Well, as I, as I mentioned, and I'll try to go a little deeper into it, we are working with school districts, school district by district, and, and saying to them, what is it you need to make sure that food keeps going to kids and maybe even beyond kids to their families with connection with the feeding banks? Because of these schools, in some cases, they're set up at the school, but a lot of schools have said, you know, we really need to, to take the feeding and have it happen elsewhere. So like in Chicago, for example, a lot of the schools are working with the churches to have the feeding sites. Well, the churches in a lot of cases don't have refrigeration. They don't have the equipment. They don't have other things. So through uh, Gen Youth Foundation, we've collected, as I said, about $3.5 million from private industry who has really stepped up. And we're giving grants to schools that apply 
so that they have the equipment, they have the wherewithal to keep that stream of food flowing rather than have it delivered to the school, but they don't have a means, the right means to get it to the church or the other location. So that's one big thing. But we're also trying to connect the school feeding program to the food service outlets that are really hurting right now to then the feeding banks who are also in some cases struggling because A, they don't have enough food, but B, their volunteer uh, efforts with the virus are down. So we're, we're working to connect all three of those efforts together where you know kids can get their school meal maybe brought to them at a food service outlet. And the family can also get their food from the feeding bank at that same outlet. So again, these are you know a lot of uh, things to try to connect the dots on. But if we can do that, we might uh, be able to not just help very hungry people who have never, in some cases, been hungry before with now 16 million unemployed, get the food they need and the kids the food that they need and rely on every day. But also maybe we can help prop up the food service sector, which is so important to the dairy industry. Tom, I know that uh, people now are really stressing out the dairy front, trying to keep their products top of mind among the consumers. And, uh, you know, people that are listening throughout different markets, they've probably seen national ads. I know that the uh, dairy farmers of Wisconsin have been running some uh, statewide ads, even have a couple of local dairy promotion groups that are running ads on some of the local radio stations, trying to get across that message again, the value of dairy and the diet, how important it is to continue to be uh, consuming dairy products. Uh, when you talk about that, and I'm sure it's being duplicated and enhanced through social media and, and digital markets, but what else is DMI provided or is looking to provide when it comes to resources for farmers that you know are trying to communicate their story? I want to touch on the advertising. I think that the things I've seen the dairy farmers of Wisconsin do have been done very well. And, you know, because there's a balance here, you don't want to look like you're taking advantage of a crisis with consumers or you will pay a very dear price for that. But I think it is a good time to remind them, uh, the consumers of the dairy farmers work tirelessly and endlessly and in some dangerous circumstances, not just now, but always to mm -hmm. feed America. And I think that will have residual goodwill after the crisis, but as far as pushing too hard on, you need to drink milk, you know, a typical advertisement right now would, would not be as advisable. But I think there's some great work being done nationally and locally injecting into social media the value of the farmer in feeding America. And after this crisis passes, which it will, I think we can build up that residual goodwill that some Americans have forgot about because they don't think about the supply chain until a crisis like this hits. I think that's the key is to remind people about the supply chain, connect them to their food, connect them to the work that dairy farmers do. And then later, as the crisis passes, we can build off of that, uh, the quality, the nutrition value, the sustainability story. So that, that's how I see that. And that's what we're trying to do locally and nationally by injecting into social media and, and with influencers. 
That is Tom Gallagher. He is the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated. You're listening to this special edition of Dairy Stream talking about COVID-19, its impact on the dairy industry and how the industry is trying to better educate and communicate not only among itself, but its customer consumers as well. One of the markets that Tom brought up was the export market. We'll talk about that next when Dairy Stream continues. And we'll be right back with our Dairy Stream podcast after we hear from our sponsor. Dairy farming is fundamentally changing, and dairy farmers are looking for progressive leadership, new approaches, and a louder voice. Edge Dairy Farmer Cooperative makes that commitment. With members on all sizes of dairy farms throughout the Midwest, Edge amplifies dairy farmers' voices, the voice of milk, in Congress, with customers, and in our communities. Driven by passion and innovation, Edge delivers maximum value so our members succeed. Learn how we can work on behalf of farmers at voiceofmilk.com. Once again, I want to thank Tom Gallagher for the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated as he's been spending some time with us on this edition of Dairy Stream as we're talking about COVID-19 and looking at our markets and some of the changes that have been going on and the transition probably this is going to cause to the dairy industry, not only short-term, but long-term as well. But Tom had mentioned in our earlier conversation with us about the export market. And maybe you can help uh, explain to our listeners and have them better understand, you know, that we are now in a global market and that overall export sales and sales of dairy and and milk that is paid to producers uh, really is dependent on that export market. Yeah, I I am glad we're going to be able to talk about that because particularly at a time like a pandemic like this, I know a lot of people think, okay, well, I, I don't like the fact that we're in a global economy and all the things that go with it. Um, but what we have to do in the checkoff is say whether we like living in a global economy or whether we like exporting our product or not, that's the world. And those are the rules right now. And so what we've tried to do is make sure that within the way the world works, that we optimize for dairy farmers that ability to export. So in 1995, we created with the industry uh, the U.S. Dairy Export Council, and at that time we were exporting about 1% of our product. Today, through that, the work of the industry and the U.S. Dairy Export Council, we're around 15% of our product, and so that's obviously very critical to um, the future growth of dairy producers because dairy producers uh, have an incredible ability the way they treat their cows so well with feed and comfort to increase productivity of the cow. So we've got to find homes for that milk and export markets along with domestic cheese and butter markets are right now the top opportunities and when we think about the export market right now, the challenge has been to recover from the uh, earlier, uh, a month or two ago, uh, effects of exports into markets that were hit with COVID-19. And as those markets recover, we're going to see a greater demand for U.S. dairy products. And just uh, related to that, the Chinese market for cheese historically has not been Uh, high demand, but U.S. cheese now is in very high demand as we get past this COVID-19. That is going to be an enormous growth market, whereas Mexico right now is our number one export market. 
I think you're going to see China and Southeast Asia really emerge. Um, we work through U.S. Deer Export Council in those markets with the industry. We also work through DMI in the pizza chains out there. So in Japan, uh, which is another market where we have a trade deal now, and we see cheese, desire for cheese starting to really uh, become very high, we worked with a pizza chain, and they actually created a two-pound of cheese on a pizza, pizza, and in Japan, and that is just selling wildly. So, when you think about the growth rate of production in the U.S., and you think that the U.S. population in 30 years from now is going to still be right, just slightly above where it is today at 33, 330 million people, but we're going to have an, an additional three and a half billion people in the world. We've really got to be thinking about the export market. And the last thing I'll say about the exports, those additional three and a half billion people, they're going to be a result of people living longer in the countries that I mentioned, like China, Southeast Asia, and Africa. And so if we start thinking about aging populations in these countries and products for them, I think we can really, uh, really do well in exports. Tom Gallagher, the CEO of Dairy Management Inc., is our guest on Dairy Stream, and we are talking currently about the export market. And you mentioned the jump we've seen in exports since we really put a focus on it from about 14% now. And I know a couple of years ago, there was a goal set by the Dairy Export Council of getting it up to 20%, and we were moving forward before this pandemic hit. But in light of that, you were talking about some positives when it comes to potential markets and that. Is it also encouraging to you when you look at the world's economies prior to this that there seems to be a growing uh, middle class and a lot of these underdeveloped countries, they are now seeing people that are getting more income and really want to add more protein to their diet. And that certainly is good news for the dairy industry since that is such a good source of protein. Absolutely. As people move in uh, these other countries from uh, very low income to middle class, the demand for animal protein really increases enormously. So, and you think about some of these countries like China and India, if we can eliminate the trade barriers with India, their middle class is larger than the population of the United States. And their aging population will soon be as large as the population of the United States in some cases. So, We've really, through the U.S. Dairy Export Council, National Milk Producers Federation, and DMI and the dairy farmers that fund it, really need to make sure the trade barriers uh, are eliminated as an industry from uh, things that have been blocking us so that we have a fair and level playing field. It's not just having a trade deal. It's having one that puts our dairy producers who can compete economically with anyone in the world put them on a level playing field. So I really see the, you know, the huge opportunity there is people move into the middle class that U.S. dairy producers can really benefit from that. So there certainly are some silver linings and positives as we certainly look at the long-term uh, growth and impact uh, in the dairy industry and the efforts we're making on the export front. But getting it back to the short term and what's happening now, can you share anything on how we're trying to ensure dairy is continuing to reach other countries during this pandemic? During this time, one of the things we have to do is make sure that we're working with the ports, that we're working with the containers groups that 
we are able to get our product into containers, uh, which has been a bit of a struggle, and then make sure that you know we can break through the, the port bottlenecks and things that have occurred over the last month, and then continuing the relationship with those governments and companies overseas that traditionally buy our product. You know, we're on the phone with them all the time to make sure that they're more than willing and able to uh, reopen those markets as as appropriate given the virus. So uh, I'll tell you, the, the work of the Export Council right now is so critical to farmers in the short term. Get those markets really moving again. And obviously, I believe after the short term here, which is hopefully just a few months, I believe the export market is really going to be growing at a very rapid rate. Well, Tom, I appreciate all your insights and candor, and I think you've enlightened us on a Quite a few questions people have been asking, but I guess the one thing that if I was a farmer and I'm listening out of this you know, conversation, I want to know specifically, maybe there's some things that I can do myself. So let's just close with, you know, DMI itself. And are you providing or are you looking at ways to provide any resource to farmers to help them make it through these difficult times? The, the thing that we can do, Mike, is, is our job, which is to really make sure that, in, you know, our plan for 2020 was a great plan, but obviously the world changed on a dime mm-hmm. uh, in a heartbeat, and we had to change our plan so that we could take the situation. And the best thing we can do for farmers from a resource standpoint is to do the things I've mentioned, try to take those food service sales that dried up overnight and reconnect them to other locate to other places so that sales and the, the milk dumping, we can stop that from happening. Those are the kind of things we can do. The other thing is, I think this is a great time for farmers, and we have provided information to the state and regional organizations like Wisconsin, but also directly to farmers to use their social media sites. And I know not every farmer is on a site, but maybe their kids are, or maybe their grandkids are, or somebody in their family. Use this time on your sites to reconnect with consumers, because as I said, That should be our focus right now with social media is connecting farmers back to consumers who have been disconnected because consumers want to know that right now. And then later we can do an even better and stronger job of marketing. Well, that's very true, too. Dairy has a great story to tell, and there's no better storytellers than those that are actually producing our quality dairy products. And again, we do thank those that have uh, gone through social media to inform consumers and we again encourage all those that have the possibilities to continue to do that. A lot of questions may remain in your mind, but we thank Tom Gallagher, the CEO of Dairy Management Incorporated, for providing some of those answers today. And we thank him again for his candor and his insights. I also want to thank Joanna Guza for helping to produce today's dairy stream. And again, we want to thank you for the efforts you're making each and every day and the valuable role you play on being in the front line against COVID-19. And again, be safe. This is Dairy Stream. Hey, thanks for listening to Dairy Stream. We value your feedback, so let us know what you thought and what you'd like to hear by emailing us at podcast at dairyforward.com.